Hey y'all, welcome to the fifth and final episode of the Kitty Chronicles. And this has been great. Kitty is absolutely wonderful. She is sharing her wisdom, her experience, her strength, her hope as a woman in long-term recovery uh, and as a peer advocate and supporter and just, um, yeah, all these little wonderful tidbits. That is Kitty. Uh, Kitty is the executive director of the Voices of Problem Gambling Recovery in Oregon. If you want to reach out to her, you can send her an email. Um, her information is in the liner notes. She would be happy to talk with you. Uh, so let's roll into this episode. This episode is titled Rational and Irrational Thoughts. Um, this is something I think we, we can all relate to in not only our addiction, but in recovery. Um, but I do want to do a quick trigger warning that we do talk about suicidality and kind of the thoughts you know that that pop up in addiction and recovery. So I hope you guys have a wonderful gamble-free day and enjoy this episode. All right, and we are back with our final episode in the Kitty Chronicles, um, which don't be too upset. I'm pretty sure that she will come back and talk to us anytime in the future. But this episode, we're talking about irrational and rational thoughts. Is that correct? That's correct. Thank you. Yeah. And what a perfect opportunity to have irrational thoughts um, in doing this series with you. How many times do I text you or something and go, hey, Christina, can I listen to that last one we just recorded? I think I said something that I'm really nervous about putting out there. Or can you edit this out, that that self-doubt where I start getting a recurring thought of uh, negativity? I'm not too many times, but a couple of times, huh? Yeah. And you know what? Recording episodes doesn't matter who it is with. I will sometimes have those thoughts too of like, oh, should I put that out? Should I have like censored my own response to something or yeah. 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 This has been a real growth experience for me. And I, I love watching your evolution and doing it. And I loved it when you told me like, you know, you get any more. So you just go, that one's done. It's in the can and you hit send because you just can't be bothered with the little self-doubt demon all the time. Um, but I think as a woman's format here, uh, especially with Broke Girl Society, that there is kind of a special place for women to have irrational thoughts and, and, I guess when I say, I don't mean to generalize, that's usually followed by just a gross generalization. Um, So please forgive me in advance. We are so socialized to look and behave in a certain way, women in America, other places. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm afraid it's getting worse in um, our social media environment that there's filters. I don't think we've seen a normal looking human in a long time. And <laughs> when that year and a half, we were all inside. I think we've forgotten what wrinkles and freckles and um, I don't know, puppy tummies look like. Very true. Very true. Yeah. yeah. So, so it, it's creating this standard that's going to contribute to the self-doubt of young woman coming up. And I just, um, I guess I just, it just reminds me that I want to do the work of being authentic and rational and um, uh, just keeping things real. And my brain, I don't know about yours, 
doesn't really live in much of a real world. Some people call it dream world of the gambler, which is kind of condescending. I don't think I live in a dream world either. Um, but I think I am prone to have some unhelpful thoughts and I got to question them. Um, one of the parts of my story, in addition to doing GA, is I got real involved with smart recovery. And um, I'm I mean, they're not like a sponsor or anything. I am a facilitator for smart recovery, but that stuff has changed my life in terms of looking at uh, how to use a tool to look at what are my rational versus my irrational thoughts. Um, so um, one thing I did recently was like, I woke up and kind of went about my sort of wake up business of coffee, dog walk, get started for the day. And then I was awake about maybe an hour and I wrote down every thought I had had for that first hour of my day, um, just to see what went through my head. And it was, um, it was actually pretty jarring that it was like maybe 15 negative thoughts of I'm broken. I'm unlovable. I'm going to fail at this. Um, like, uh, all is lost. There was a lot of those absolute words like never or always or everyone. Um, and I thought I was not the vision of mental well-being, but that I, after many years in, in different forms of recovery and, and nine years of actively working on my gambling recovery, I thought I'd been doing pretty hard work. So to have my first hour of just a normal day involve having like 15 major, very negative thoughts. Um, it occurred to me that I might benefit from more actively shutting down those negative thoughts, the irrational ones and embracing the positive ones. Um, one tool I use to do that is, uh, talk to like my little kitty, or you could talk to like your, your little Christina, if we were a a parent to that inner child, like what tone would we use with them? What kinds of engagement would we give them? Would we be like specific in our praise versus just like, you're a good girl? Or would it be like, wow, you really tried hard to have a podcast and showed up for people and put yourself out there and delivered and uh, talked about a lot of different topics, like real specific praise like that. So I'm thinking about like, what are my rational and helpful thoughts and what are my irrational, harmful, maladaptive, unwelcome thoughts? And I loved, and I know it was kind of a little bit of a risk of this episode you did with Tara um, a couple episodes ago, you guys gave a trigger warning. You're like, Hey, we're going to seriously talk about some of the stuff that went through our head while we were gambling. And then you just like fired off this litany of nonsense ideas that I was howling. It was so nice to hear other women talk about um, just those things of like, uh, if I touch my machine, I can't remember all of them, but, but, you know, like when you, when we were gambling and we would see people touching their machines and, oh, yeah. like, oh my gosh, that those persons, um, are so silly that they think all of this, you know, magic machine touching is going to matter. And yet I'm sitting there like, but this is the best machine or my ship's going to, you know, my own irrational thoughts. Let's not look at that. Right. What was that a fun episode to do? It really was. And I, I kind of toyed with it at first because I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to trigger anybody, but I also want to validate 
mm-hmm. how we we thought. I, I wanted I wanted if somebody was struggling with the way they were thinking or the way that they perceived their addiction or the way that they they thought that they were alone in it mm-hmm. and their thoughts and their feelings. I wanted to validate that for them. Like, hey, this is this is something we've all struggled with. Like, these are thoughts that that we've all done, you know, mm-hmm. and. It was just always interesting to me because in, in just regular conversation with Tara, we would, something would come up and be like, Hey, did you ever do this? And then she's like, yeah, did you ever do this? And I just thought, man, that'd be a great conversation to have. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of my favorites too. They're all my favorites, but it's, it's <laughs> one of my favorites. They're, they're all your special babies. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's funny when we talk about irrational thoughts. I mean, we, we hear ourselves do it sometimes. We certainly hear other people, um, folks new in recovery. Um, there's still some of those right there of like, I'll hear like, uh, I don't have a gambling problem. I have a, a leaving problem. So if you would just go with me to the casino and, and hold my money for me and tell me when it's time to leave, then I'll, I'll would be great. I I'll hear things like that. Um, or, uh, I just, I just need to be able to set a budget. If you could just hold my handbag for me and not give me any past the budget that set a time in a budget thing is so damaging for that. I think we think that applies to us and we get confused. Um, yeah, I, I did that so many times. I did that so many times. Like I would give my friend, my card and be like, don't give it back to me. And then I would turn into this bitch of a person, like, give me my card back, you know, because I didn't want to leave. Yeah. 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 Or I don't know. One of mine was just that I could walk away with money that I, if I ever had any kind of win, I could cash out Mm -hmm. and leave. And I don't know, things like that. So, um, you've heard of, um, um, cognitive distortions, that term, Yes. It's like more of a, yeah, psychological kind of thing. I don't, I don't really like the idea of this. I don't know. I'm weird about phrasing, but cognitive distortions. I don't know. Just, I have patterns in my brain of how I might think of things. And, um, some of the, the ones that really come up for me are like all or nothing thinking. So, um, okay. Here's an example with just food. Like I know I'm going out for dim sum with someone to celebrate a birthday tonight. And so that'll be kind of like a big dinner sort of thing. So rationally, I told myself, well, okay, really look forward to that. And then maybe have more of a salad for lunch or light meals through the day kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So you reckon that's what I did? (laughs) So what do we have for lunch? (laughs) Like this biscuit, the size of a baby, I don't know, butter on it. <laughs> like, just, you know, yep. anything goes all or nothing. It's a party day. And uh, it's, al- it's already going to be not a healthy eating day. So let's just race to the bottom. I really do that with food, that all or nothing thinking. What do yes. you have an all or nothing idea? I think for me, it's um, like, I'll have, I'll set a goal. Like, like the, today, for instance, I, I got my tree. I bought a new Christmas tree this year. Um, you'll hear it. I don't want to like repeat the story 1200 times, but I had this sad looking Christmas tree for years. And this year I decided to treat myself to a new Christmas tree. 
And yeah. so I got it up. And so it's like, my thinking is like, oh man, I'm going to get this up. I'm going to get the house decked out. And like, it's all going to be great. Well, yeah, I started at nine o'clock this morning. I'd sit down, I'd return some messages, get back up. Like long story short, my living room looks like Christmas blew up and you know, it's getting towards the end of the day and it's probably mm-hmm. going to look like that for a few more days. So you just need like Randy Quaid with an RV and a hose out in oh, the drive. My favorite movie. You'll be sad. <laughs> it's my absolute favorite movie. I've already, wa- I've already watched it once. So yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. All or nothing right there. We have to be perfect and there's no, and that's why I have trouble finishing things. Yeah. I think that was the point I was trying to say is like, yeah, I'm, I'm all or nothing, but it's usually mm-hmm. ends up being nothing. <laughs> yeah. Our, I'm little miss 86%. And that's where I just like hit a wall. Yeah. <laughs> I can't possibly take it over the finish line. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I don't want to focus on the negative ones too much. Um, I think I also am prone to that that just finding the one thread of negativity. So I don't know if you get comments on any of the ways you promote the podcast, but you, if you're like me and I think in a lot of ways you probably are, um, you get 99 people going, this changed my life. I thoroughly enjoyed this. And one person that's like, eh, you know, not, not that useful and you waste of time. I don't know. Just not flattering. Yeah. And, you're not going to be, I, you know, honestly, knock on wood. I haven't had anybody say anything to my face. That's negative. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. I haven't really had a bad experience per se on that, but mm-hmm. I'm of the mindset. And I know, I guess I set myself up for this is that I know that I'm not for everybody. Mm-hmm. I know that I can maybe be a little too philosophical or a little bit to something for somebody. Mm -hmm. And so I guess I've kind of just set it up in my head that, Hey, Mm -hmm. everybody's going to like you. Good for you. I I wish we could bottle that. Yeah. It's hard. I feel like I put myself out there a lot doing trainings or presentations or just, um, just trying to help people normalize talking about this experience. And you take some shrapnel doing that. And I got to make sure that I'm really shored up of taking care of myself and having support in a way that I can have a rubber duck suit to have those things roll off. Um, so um, anyway, the whole irrational unhelpful thing, um, I find um, that many of them come down to what I think of is kind of like the the trifecta and there's a cognitive behavioral therapy school of thought. I think the people that really kind of started at the Beck family, Judy Beck, and she talks about that the big three are I'm unlovable, I'm worthless and I'm helpless. And those resonate for me. Um, I'm going to die alone. I fail at everything. I can't do anything to control my circumstances or my outcome. Um, And um, when I hear those, I try to hear them. Um, do you remember Nellie Olson from Little House on the Prairie? No. House on the Prairie? What? From Oklahoma? I well, thought I remember, I remember watching it. I remember watching it. My mom watched it when I was younger, but I never really got like super into it. But oh, she had these boingy ringlet curls and she was so snotty and sassy. And um, I hear her voice 
is the one that I have tell me things like you're unlovable, you're worthless, you're helpless. And then I have to counter correct those statements with very specific examples of why that might not be true times say 3000. And it's not just general platitudes like Stuart Smalley, like you're good enough and you're smart enough and people like you kind of business. It's more like, well, you, I don't know, showed up on time to talk to Christina for a podcast today. You went for a two mile walk. Like you, you have this and this really amazing person in your life that gives you evidence that they care about you. Like I have to be super specific to shut those down and then continue to repeat them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I do too sometimes, or especially like when I'm, when I'm working on a podcast or I'm, I'm got like gearing up for a project, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of have to reinforce it and say, Hey, you showed up for that. You, mm-hmm. you know, okay, I've kind of lost what I was trying to say, but yeah, it's very similar in the way that I have to kind of retrain the way that my, my brain is trying to tell me one thing, but I have to reassure myself that I'm doing what I can, that I can, that I'm doing the best I can. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's useful. I think when people give us feedback that we're on the right track, it's also useful if we have a close enough relationship with folks that they can give us feedback of what we might be missing. And it doesn't mean we suck. It, it just means like, are you aware that this is a pattern in your communication or your behavior or something? Um, and is it intentional? So, um, One thing that happens sometimes, and I've taken on a new role um, where I just have a lot of different things I do every day. I work with folks that have gambling disorder and they go through a lot of pain and they have lapses and they have stress and there's pandemic related things and there's just suffering out there. And at the same time, I'm also uh, the new executive director of the agency I work for, Voices of Problem Gambling Recovery. And that involves things like contracts and spreadsheets and negotiations and finances and um, boards and things. And so they're, they're two kind of very unrelated fields, both that are very enjoyable and I, and I like the variety, but I'm finding that it also um, creates kind of long lists of things to do and struggles to prioritize and being someone who is interested in um, quick and fast and here and now and sparkling and shiny. I'm, I'm naturally going to kind of jump on whatever's happening at the time versus like, what's our long range strategic plan? Like I probably need to write that boy here soon. Um, so, um, one thing that happens is I've started having like anxiety, which I've never had before. Do you have anxiety? I do. I suffer from pretty, pretty severe anxiety. Uh, it has gotten better as my gambling. It was really bad. Um, sorry, that's my squeaky chair. It was really bad when I stopped gambling. Um, uh-huh. well, it was bad while I was gambling, but uh-huh. when I stopped it, it really stepped up. Um, and I, I, I'm able to control it and it's not as bad now, but yes, I struggle with anxiety. Yeah. Um, so for me, when I'm, I don't know if it's the same thing as like clinical anxiety, but I'll hear talk in my head kind of on a loop of unwelcome, unhelpful thoughts. 
So uh, you haven't gotten this done yet. You're a failure. You haven't gotten this done yet. You're a failure kind of thing. And I know it needs done. It's on the list. There's a bit of a plan of getting it done. Um, but I am so open to techniques to shut that down. And I guess one that I'm finding is like going ahead and addressing it. Like here is the thought that keeps coming up that's unwelcome. And then maybe saying, what's the worst thing that could happen if I don't get this one thing done? And that's probably not like unrecoverable. I mean, there might be some consequences. And also like what percent chance is there that that's actually gonna happen, that worst possible scenario, which often is not very high at all. I'm, I'm probably gonna be some kind of deadline queen and get it done at the last minute and it'll be okay. Um, so that's one of the tools I'm using. Do you have other tools you use for, for dealing with like unwelcome recurrent thoughts? I have come across a tool a while back and, and I was just rem uh, reminded of it a few weeks ago. Um, I take a tool, like if I have a thought that, that I'm struggling with, um, you know, let's say I can't meet my deadlines. I, you know, I have this goal to have a new episode out by every Thursday. Mm -hmm. And let's say I'm just kind of struggling uh, with just motivation to do it or, you know, I'm just wore out. I work a full-time job. I work my recovery full-time. I, I'm extremely active in the communities. And so sometimes I just, I just need an extra day. And so I'll put a thought out there, like, what's the worst that could happen? Just like what you said. And then I'll say, okay, well, the worst can happen is, is people stop listening or it gets lost in the, the, the void. Mm -hmm. And then I think about that thought, what happens if people stop listening? And then I'm like, well, what does happen to people? I mean, my life isn't going to change if, if people stop listening. Um, and then I just kind of dissect that thought. Well, what if I just completely take that thought out of there? Like don't like completely erase the thought of what if people stop listening, like just take that thought away. And then I don't have that, that stress that's causing me to feel guilty about not hitting my deadline. So for me, it's just about, you know, focusing on the thoughts that, that keep me moving forward and, and not the ones that are keeping me stuck in place. Yeah. Yeah. And that takes effort to do it that. Does. Yeah. It's not fun or easy or like just kicking back watching TV. Like we have to really pause for a minute and access that tool and plug it in and use it repeatedly. So um, I, I think I'm finding more as I get older, I'm, I'm 52, that there's this kind of spinning yin yang of good and bad and, and struggle and joy that, that just goes faster and faster as I move along. And that, that I, I do experience suffering and I witnessed it and I probably need to get more comfortable with it. Um, I've dabbled in going to recovery Dharma and um, there's just like some alternatives um, of ways to do recovery that I've enjoyed, including in my practice. And they talk about that much of our suffering, all of it, in fact, is related to balancing between like craving and aversion. And that really spoke to me with the gambling that 
I was craving feeling good by gambling and I was escaping um, work, marriage, things that were hard in my life with the aversion there. Um, so um, I, I feel like I'm sort of walking this balance beam in between the craving aversion and I have to stay focused on um, staying on the beam that if I let up and get distracted or allow addictions to enter my life or resentments or just really negative things that that could have me like tilting off to one side or next. But um, same as you said about like looking at our finances, it becomes less scary. Like realizing that I am on that beam um, of having to question, is this a rational, helpful thought? Is this a irrational, harmful, maladaptive, unwelcome thought? And how can I counter correct that? Um, is becoming like a, a more comfortable place to be. It takes support from other people that welcome you doing that. Um, it takes a lot of trust in being able to say, I'm having the thought that blah, blah, blah. Because sometimes those thoughts are pretty out there. Like, have you ever stood like on a bridge holding your cell phone and just thought about like throwing your phone in the river? Like just, why would we do that? It's a ridiculous thought or, or um, it's just a random thing that might go through your head and you're like, well, no, of course I wouldn't do that. Why would I do that? It's like, I don't know. I don't know where that came from. I don't want yeah. to do that. It, it, it was just a thought. Well, we have those all day of, Hey, maybe I should start gambling again. Or I don't know, like where'd that come from? Of course I don't want to do that. <laughs> what is that? That, that shows up for me a lot. Um, people ask me all the time if I still have urges to gamble or if I still want to gamble. And and I'm different in a lot of ways because when I, when I finally had my moment and stopped gambling, I was done gambling. I didn't struggle with urges. I didn't, you know, a lot of people love it and they miss it and they're constantly trying to find something to compare it to. And so they feel like it's a punishment that they can't gamble. For me, I don't want to gamble. I have no urges to gamble, but that being said, I will have a moment where something will flash up that will remind me about gambling. Um, and I will have a moment of like that, like being in that moment of gambling, but it doesn't send it, it passes just as quickly as it shows up and it doesn't want send me back to the casino. Um, so yeah, I still have thoughts about it, but I don't think about it. If that makes sense. Yeah. And when you have those thoughts of well, maybe just for a second, I wonder if that ties into the episode we did on ambivalence of like on this hand, I could. And it comes with these consequences and also this enjoyable thing, maybe. And, and then you can sort of play with, um, am I going to stay here in recovery or am I going to move towards going back to living a life of being in the gambling? And we go, hmm, thanks for having that thought. I think I'm going to stay here. I yeah. think I'm going to redouble my efforts to stay here, um, up my engagement, my connection, my commitment. Um, and do some things to maybe not have those thoughts take over. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, so it's useful when they come for a visit. Um, I don't know if we want to talk about this or not. Um, I think the ultimate irrational or unhelpful thought that people who have disordered gambling frequently enter into their consciousness is if they want to end their lives. 
Uh, we get debt for struggles with our families and loved ones. And I think we can have a thought that says this is hopeless and I don't have agency to live the life that I'm comfortable with. And there can be really dark times that come with that. Is that something you're comfortable talking about here for a minute? Yeah, I'm okay talking about it. I, I got to those moments myself where I felt completely hopeless. Like I felt like I was never going to be able to break the cycle of this addiction and, and how it was affecting everybody around me and how it was affecting my own life, my own choices, my own behaviors. And I just thought I'd be better off. Everybody would be better off if I wasn't here. Um, and so, yeah, I, I contemplated thoughts of suicide, but when it came down to it for me, it was acknowledging the fact that I didn't truly want to end my life. I wanted to end the addiction. I wanted to end the addicted side of me. Um, and so it was then I was able to kind of decide, Hey, I'm going to fight for a life that I want to live. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you for telling me about that. I just, I desperately want to normalize people admitting that, that, and, and myself too, of of just, Oh, I, I, I feel like I can't get out of this. I feel trapped. I feel like hopeless or um, there's something chemically off with many of us that, that is just truly needing chemical re-regulation and better living through pharmaceuticals with proper medical care. Um, so I, I hope that that can be one of the things that this podcast is able to do is hear other women in recovery say, yeah, we, we have gone to that dark place and I'm so glad that I lived through it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I'm, and, and the same way, sometimes I'm like, huh, I wonder, wonder what would happen if I threw my phone in the river, whatever that is. Or if I stole that pumpkin from in front of the grocery store, like, you know, these random thoughts I get, um, that one, when it comes in, I'm like, Hey, suicidality thought, how are you doing? Not welcome here. I know tomorrow is going to be a good day. And I'm just actually in a upset mood about this very specific, temporary, perhaps chemically unbalanced thing that's happening today. And I know it's going to get better. And I have a, a lot to contribute to the world. So I'm shutting you down. It's nice to be able to tell other people about that. Um, that are going to know how to react to hearing that and, and that you've kind of um, had an agreement with upfront, like, Hey, if, if I'm ever, what about like a plan for, if there's a lapse, is that something like if people um, have a lapse in their gambling recovery, are they going to have the irrational, unhelpful thought of like, Oh, now I've blown it. So I have no one, my family's going to hate me. All, all is lost. Like, why don't we, put that in order now that people can tell us you and mm -hmm. me like yeah. get in touch with us we're both in groups that are accessible to folks that they can be like yep um gambling came out of its cage and revisited yesterday and i say the same thing i say to all the the peers i work with it's like all right data point so <laughs> don't change anything these don't necessarily have to be cumulative days of recovery um you, you don't have to go back to kindergarten because you got a bad grade on your high school test for one day. Like, let's figure out how to fix this. But right. when, 
when yeah when when folks lack the support mm. to be able to express those um that's concerning that it's lonely so i just want to be able to say um both that we empathize with it we've been there and please please reach out for help if that happens absolutely yeah reach out for help there's no there's no judgment there's no there's no right or wrong way it's just you know you you just continue to build on the, on the days that you do have on the tools that you ha do have. And you look at what, what maybe you could do differently this time. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so I guess I'm, I would end with, if there's one like exercise or assignment people might consider doing to just kind of take away from um, the talk on rational versus irrational is why don't you get out a piece of paper and write down like 15 things off the top of your head that you want to take a victory lap of things you survived, things you contributed, things that you felt that were meaningful. Um, talk about your compassion that you show, your empathy towards others, not necessarily your salary and, and just kind of um, measurable things, but things that have to do with your values and um, your potential of what you can be in the future. And um, keep that with you and read over it to counteract those irrational thoughts when they pop up because they probably will. Absolutely. Um, keep it as a way to see to see your growth as you've grown as a human being, as you've grown in recovery. Um, and yeah, that's that's a that's a great that's a great idea, Kitty. It's a great tool. Thanks, Christina. It was great being here with you. Thanks for doing this series with me. I feel like I have a new friend. <laughs> You have had a new friend since before we started this series. I am so thankful that you agreed to do this. And, and now, you know, with this being the last of the series, everybody gets to know why Kitty is so special. And she got her own, her own Kitty Chronicles because you're lovely and you had some wonderful tips and advice that you've given us. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you again in the future or hearing you again in the future. So thanks again. Quick note that this episode is sponsored by Gamban, which we appreciate very much. So check them out at gamban.com. They offer blocking software to help keep you off the online gambling sites. And they're a wonderful company uh, built by people with lived experience and people affected by gambling harm.